This is Sunday Skate on Sports Radio WEEI. For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and the NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like it is sure. Yeah. Yeah. With Ken Laird. Bunch of criminals. We ought to be in jail. That's all there is to it. And WEEI.com Bruins writer Matt Kalman. He's a killer. Yeah. Yeah. He's a mess. Lace him up for some bees talk right now on Sports Radio WEEI. 30th of July, another edition of the Skate Podcast. It's Ken Laird and Matt Calvin, who is WEEI.com's finest Bruins writer. Really, their only Bruins writer. Welcome, Matt, back to your podcast. Exciting day today. We have callers lined up for yep. later in the show. We Paul actual, and Bob. Yep, good callers, too. We yep. can give a little tease that uh, yep, good people that have been Bruins fans for a long time, people who are rational. There was no... Uh, Get rid of Rask or, you know, get rid of even the trade come with Bergeron. Ideas, yeah, come with solutions. <laughs> one local, one uh, uh, far away, Florida. One Florida Bruins fan. Anyway, yeah. before we get there, I want to start with a, uh, a nothing, but we need an update. McAvoy and Carlo continue to be the story. What's happened in the last week? Anything. What are you hearing? What are your sources saying? It's what just is radio going on? silence, right? You can't get any calls or emails back. It's just radio silence right now. And. I guess I mean, there was Matt McAvoy continues the wakeboard and there was one tweet unverified that we probably shouldn't mention, but it's a podcast, so why not? Somebody saying that they showed Charlie McAvoy at the golf course and uh, he didn't tip the the caddy or something like that. But anyway, <laughs> maybe he's waiting for the big he's deal. Waiting. To, he's waiting give for the big give deal. Give an IOU. But I mean, this is kind of ridiculous now when you think about it, and uh, you can go ten percent over the cap. There's no excuses right now. Get these guys done, especially McAvoy. Get it done. I mean, what is what is the what is the wait? What are you thinking right now? It's seven well, times seven. Is, it's eight times seven. We know what it is. We know what the we know what the number is. We well, know that's what, not what, what he the Bruins is. Number is, and you know that. That's crazy. But 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 again, if you want to bitch about bad contracts that the Bruins have signed free agents to over the years, how can you blame them for wanting to play hardball with? They don't want a bad. <laughs> These are not the people they, you they play. You don't, you don't look at your bad contracts if you're talking, you know, Bacchus or whatever. You don't uh, Obleski. You don't uh, then you know get your revenge on the. NHLPA by taking it out on on the future of your defense core. I mean, seriously. Well, uh, okay. When they signed Bergeron in 2014, yeah, eight right. years, fifty two million. Yep. Was it considered top market value? No, it was considered already a, a you know a fan a team friendly team deal, friendly for deal. Sure. So that's what they're looking for, right? But you don't. That's get, the but, standard. But, they're, they're, Patrice is already in his right late now, 20s. Tony McAvoy is like what 22? Yeah, but they're saying this is before oh, your time. Man. You got to take. It's, the it's next not how it works. That's not how it works anymore. I know. But if you're in your early 20s, you cash in, and this is what it's going to be, and you, you have to the, accept but that. If you were Don Sweeney, you wouldn't. You would just walk in there and say, "We're we'll give you what you want." Open open checkbook. You not open checkbook. I would give you the comparables, and you're better than Aaron Ekblad, and you're better than Jacob Truba. Probably in the long run, and these are the and you, we, we don't have any options. We don't have alternatives right now. You know, uh, this is the guy you drafted. You traded Dougie Hamilton. You had you had a reset with Charlie McAvoy. You've been looking for the heir apparent. Uh, these are the guys. What are you going to give that money to Matt Grizzlick? Is that what you're going to do, Ken? Well, I mean, they have other players to sign. They have other players to sign, and there's plenty of room to sign these guys. You know, in, in two years, you know, next year you'll have Krug off the books. The year after that, you'll have Krejci off the books. Um, and obviously the cap will go up, you know, a little bit. We don't know what the CBA is going to look like. Somebody's opting out in September. Either somebody's opting out in September, or there's going to be a renegotiation. So there might be some differences in the escrow. Um, there might be some differences in how the cap, you know, the cap. Sh- once they get, once they settle the escrow issue, yeah. and they're able to increase the cap more. And this is getting really boring. And I hope people aren't driving off the road listening to this. That's why we opened with this. Open with the good stuff. <laughs> so always, the always good news and the drive off. Always the cliff good stuff. escrow talk. But yeah. the point is. 
you know what? One of our crawlers, I'm, I'm going to really tease it right now. He brought up the fact that they should maybe go after Chris Kreider and, and try to really take advantage of this window. He's so right. Aren't you sick and tired as a Bruins fan, as a Bruins person covering the team, of hearing about the future and four years down the road, eight years down the road? We might not even be here by then. I mean, look what the world's going on out there. Who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> Do it. Max out and go for it now. You yeah. know what? You, you, did it, you did it the right way to get back to this point. You didn't tank like our, one of our crawlers is going to talk about, the fact that they were able to stay competitive all these years and then recharge the way they did Game 7 the Cup Final. But seriously now, stop thinking about four not, or five years down the road. That's not been the Bruins' It's philosophy. ridiculous. That's what's kept them. As we've pointed out, well, The Athletic did a great piece. I featured it on the previous podcast. <laughs> they have been a contender for a longer window, uh, longer than anybody in the National Hockey League. Well, uh, they've then, only won one. Well, then we're back in the 80s where they're always going to come up short, and you, we're back into that 88, 90, 92, 93 mode where – you're just not good enough. I mean, you just you, you got to just do it sometime, and you got to take pay the price. You know, you want to throw Peter Shirelli under the bus all you want, okay? For the the, the number the, the uh, contracts he gave out and the contracts, especially after they won. But two years after they won, they were back in the Cup final, lost to a, a historic Chicago team. The next year, they won the President's Trophy, and he just kept throwing money at. Now, yeah, the Ginla thing killed them. They were in cap jail. They had like six million in dead weight. Yeah. You had Seidenberg waiting too much for what he was at the time. Um, but sometimes you just got to do that, and then you just got to re- regroup that way and recover. Look what the Penguins do. Your Penguins do this all the time, right? They get the cap jail and they find ways to free themselves. And you know, all credit to the Bruins for at least getting to the Cup final. You could be in Nashville's Cup jail where they haven't been in a couple of years now, and they. They have never, they've never won, so they've had some issues. But this is the way you got it. Sometimes this is you just not gotta, the Penguins. The Penguins are peaks and valleys. This team is steady, knocking on the sometimes door. Sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta put yourself in cap jail if it's going to put you over the top. Just sign a gimmick you know, for a year and six million. Right? A lot of talk about LTIR and what the Maple Leafs are doing. I mean, the Bruins are just not going to do that. that not going to go that route anymore. That's another way they ended up in cap jail was because with the Savard contract, they were using the LTIR and they had to put bonuses for some of their younger guys and. Now with every team having so many young guys, there's so many more bonuses. It, but sometimes you just got to put yourself in cap jail and, and and try to win. And instead of, I mean, what's the st- is the status quo? They're a, they're a great team. They're going to be in the top three in the quo. division. Are they going to win the cup though? Well, Can you, you, you say? honestly? You know what worries me the most? You mocked me. You and Pete mocked me when I said they might not make the playoffs. If if they if McAvoy holds out until December. They could miss out on some points that could affect that. There, situation. there is there is an issue if you're. I don't think you you phrased it quite that way. If if they're they're without Charlie McAvoy for that length of time, yes, and other things don't fall into place, sure it could cost them. I just don't. I still don't see Buffalo or Florida or somebody overtaking them, even to be in the top three in the division. So one out to support that point. I have another piece in the athletic that I want to bring up. Oh okay. God, is this the all bean pot team? No, or no, no. All, Or what's what are the Bruins going to look like in twenty twenty six? This is Ian Tullock's. <laughs> Top breakout candidates for 2019 2020 in, yeah. in the National Hockey League. Now, there are no Bruins players on here. Should okay. there be, first of all? Before, and then okay. rookies are not eligible. Right. Okay. So this is. Well, I saw somewhere else somebody said Danton Heinen was a uh, a breakout candidate. It might have been Ryan Lambert or someone like that. Might okay. Have that. You, so. Do you expect that? Do you think Heinen will actually. I think, I think you have to expect 20 goals out of that guy and, you know, in the same two way play, at least, but at least 20 goals out of that guy. What did Heinen have this year in the regular season? I'm Googling as we speak. You can hear that in the background. I'm going to guess and say 14. Uh, 16. So it's ah, not a huge breakout year. So, but he, so at least 47 20. points, 77 games played. Yeah. Twenty. How about 20 points and how about 20 goals and 60 points? Is that fair to say that he takes that next step as a third liner? I wouldn't say it's a huge breakout and four additional goals, but I, I, I you know, Pete, you're right. They need Hyden. Carson Coleman 
would be another. Okay. Although I don't really think we can pencil him in for twenty goals. I don't even think you can pencil him into the lineup. I do. I mean, you're br- you're bringing you're bringing Richie and uh, and Lindholm in. You're you're probably going to play those guys. There might not even be a spot for Coleman. You might be uh, back in the AHL, but yeah, he could be in there. But you're not going to really look at him for points because he's probably if if, he, if you're a good team, he's playing in your bottom six. He's not playing on the second line again. Right. All right. Now there's se- the reason I bring this up: breakout candidates. Yeah. In this guy's top ten, there are several Atlantic Division breakout candidates. One of them is on the Buffalo Sabers, Rasmus. Is it Darlene or Darlene? Darlene, okay. okay. Now, he was number one overall pick a okay. couple years ago, so it's not that yeah, so shocking. I, yeah, I don't know why you call him a breakout candidate, but, but okay. Okay, so now are the Sabres the team that you fear? Maybe not really. but I'm not going to fear any team that's built around Jack Eichel right now. The guy has not shown me any type of you know leadership qualities or right. ability to dominate a game more than once or twice a year. No. Okay. By the way, also on this list, Ryan Donato. Uh, who's, who's, uh, hey, speaking of Ryan Donato, I was watching the Nesson had a game from against Anaheim on the other day, yeah, and I forgot about the Ryan Donato, JFK, Danton Heining kid line. <laughs> that was a highlight of the season we didn't talk <laughs> enough about. All right, now, but let's get to the contenders. Toronto yeah. and Tampa. Yeah. Three players from Toronto and Tampa combined on this list of breakout surprising players. The athletic, guess who this is? Surprising the Athletic is so, you know, sold in on Toronto. I can't imagine Your why. Your guy, Travis Dermott, makes the oh, list. God. He's not even going to play like the first half of Leafs the year, right? defenseman. Aggressive in the neutral zone. Uh, makes these plays with consistency. Helps explain why he has the fourth fewest carry-ins against while targeted last season. Uh, preventing zone entries. So he's they're saying he's, he's like a neutral zone savant. Absolutely. Travis Dermott's gap Nothing control is phenomenal. Nothing gets me more phenomenal. excited than the zone entries. <laughs> All right. If you don't buy that, yeah. two Tampa Bay Lightning breakout players Anthony on this Sorelli. list. Anthony Sorelli. No. No. Matthew Joseph, right wing. He's a, he's a bottom six mentioned. guy. Okay. But JT Miller's traded, right? Okay. So, so Joseph's going to be bumped bump up, up to play in the top six. Naturally could Yippee. fill in the void. And Mikhail Sergachev, defenseman. Yeah, I mean he might he might make, take a step. I'm not. I mean, we know what the Lightning are, right? If they get points signed, they're just as good as they were last year. They won't, you know, probably break any records, but they're going to be tough. But, but, if we've, but we've seen and the Joseph Bruins beat them, jump up, and have breakout years again. That if is Joseph is just replacing be- Miller, then it's not a bump up. It's just a guy replacing another guy. <laughs> it's not. Now let's get to Vasilevsky. Yeah, the contract huge. I just contract. don't get it. I don't get why these teams are so. I don't get your column on this, but oh, but uh, that's first. Of well, I, I don't get it either. I was just throwing words together, like I said. I, I really <laughs> didn't understand what I was trying to say. But my point was, first of all, the the idea that this tr- this contract makes Tuca look underpaid. Well, that was Marinovsky who set you off. Basically. Made no sense. Marinovsky said. Well, and then of course Hags writes the you know maybe Tuca's not as overpaid as we thought. Who the hell is we? He's the only one who thought that. <laughs> who is he a we? Is he big enough to be a we now? Is that he sounds like the president? People are saying. But anyway, you can't compare the 33-year-old goalie and the 25-year-old goalie, okay? Correct. So it's it's Which you did in your column, which was was kind of funny. No. You're saying I, you can't compare. Right. And you and you're saying nobody's now is saying Rask. What I'm is saying is that Rask at 7-5 with with uh Halak at 275 in today's NHL makes more sense than 9-5 in one guy. I don't care how but, good you are. You're not paying you're not going to play 65 games anymore and win the cup. It's just not going to happen. Braden Holtby had to go from starting 60-something games to 50-something games, didn't even start the playoffs because Grubauer had you know played pretty well and earned himself the number one job. They go in and then obviously switch to Holtby, win the cup. 
but the guy was rest, rested and refreshed. If this year's Tuka Rask playoff performance doesn't sell you on the idea that every team should be going for a two goalie system in the regular season, and then you, right, and then you and then you ride the goal. But you also, I mean, we don't really want to go down this rabbit hole. But you also always had the threat and the opportunity that if Tuca did falter, as we talked yeah, about, yeah. you could At go the to the, the playoffs, other guy. You and I and Pete argued about exactly. this and the leash and everything the, else. But meanwhile, there's no way Flar, you know, Tampa is going to go in the playoffs, and if Vasilevsky stinks, they're going to go to McElhinney. The, no. the, the Panthers don't have anyone behind Bobrovsky right now. I don't know what they're thinking. And to bring back the Leafs, because someone on Twitter said I have a Toronto fetish, which is great. You know, Freddie Anderson is, is handing the ball off to who if he's struggling or he gets hurt? I mean, who, who are they leaning on, these teams? All right, but your point is, I mean, you're, you're giving the Bruins credit for a two-goalie system, which they they are lucked into right now. If Tuka Rask was in his prime, as you point out, they would not be able to have him on a team-friendly contract. When they signed him the same year they did Bergeron for eight years and $56 million, he was th- among the highest-paid goaltenders in the league, right? He was second yeah. highest behind Pecorine, But So at that time, Carey Price he hadn't was gotten his next deal yet. He wasn't that old. Right. But they wouldn't have had a two-goalie system. So now they have, they have the luxury to be able to, and they have to. Rask has well, shown that they need a They wouldn't have system. had a goal. Listen, that's 2013, this is 2019. The game has changed since then even. And I think everyone's been adapted to that. To bring up Washington again, they thought Holtby would be a 60-70. You know, right. Pecorine at the time was playing that many games. You know, they had these young backups. They, they were rotating them in, you know, Juicy Soros and all these guys they were, they were rotating in. So since then, we've learned it takes two goalies. Um, Jordan Binnington won, but he didn't play the first half of the season in the right. NHL. Right. We don't know what he's going to be. Now, they're, they're, the Blues are investing about $8 million in their goalies. A kid who won the Cup, but we don't know how good he really is over the long haul. And Jake Allen, who we know how inconsistent he is. Yeah, you know, yeah. Dallas to me is the perfect scenario right here. They have Bishop and they have Hudobin, and they're paying like eight million for the two of them. They got they got Bishop on a deal when he was thirty one, thirty two. That's gonna go. It goes four more, five more years. So they're not gonna look so. <laughs> that's not gonna look so good in, in maybe one or two years at this point. No. So you know, when you have a Tuka Rask and you decide that he's the goalie to to, to build around and you keep him, you know, the, the seven million at the time was fair market, and it wasn't carry price ten million, and it's left you enough room that the cap has increased enough over the years that yeah you're still investing twelve percent of your cap into goaltending, but again it's not the fifteen percent that some teams are, and then the teams that are maybe a ten percent aren't getting the great goaltending that they want, and this is the Lightning's problem now. Yeah, but let's say because the, the Bruins' long term plan and goal is what I mean they're not going to sign Rask beyond well, this year. If you wanted to really get into like what's going on after Rask, I, I there's no answer. There's, there's no, no answer. But there's if, no but, talk but, but right let's now. Let's say one of the yeah. their prospects. All right, let's say, let's say Kaiser. I'd say he maybe is the, is the is the legit is okay. of the three guys right now. Okay, let's say he's the guy. Yeah. And then in five years, he's a star of Carey Price level. Right. Are they not going to sign him to a Vasilevsky-esque contract and go with a one-goalie system? I mean, it, it, it's not like the Bruins say, no, we're not doing that. We're getting, we're getting, we'll trade him for two average goalies or two above average goalies. I wouldn't do it. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't do that. You would ship him out? You would ship out Carey Price? You would ship out I would explain to him that he needs that he's, he needs to take a little less so we have a backup because you need to have a backup. I mean, you can't put all your eggs in one goalie. And... Uh, it's just the way the game you is can't gone. If it's the right young. I mean, and the fact is, this kid might come up, and he's not. Gonna, they're not even going to ask him to play sixty, sixty-five off the bat. You're going to be a fifty-game guy. No, right off the bat, for sure. So, but I'm, but I'm saying, even when he's in his prime, if he's if he plays 
as well as Tuca, they're not going to ask him to play 60-65 anymore. They, they're going to want to preserve these you guys. Have, you do not know that. Five years from now, they may it's, ask him to play the, 60 I, games, 65 I'm games. looking beyond hockey. I'm looking at all the sports. Everything is about preservation of guys. The NBA gives guys off. You know, Yeah, but it's a cap Alex, league with a hard cap. You can't compare. I mean, that you get into a, a situation where you well, can't. Well, it is a hard cap, and that's, the why, guy, that's, why, the, that's why the, the, scale, the pay scale is going to go down. You're not going to have the $10 million goalies anymore. After Bobrovsky, you know, flops in year one or two of this deal, ooh, ooh. people are going to look at the Panthers as a cautionary tale, and this isn't going to happen anymore. It'd be crazy. Better contract. Vasilevsky the Carey Price Bobrovsky. thing is already a flop. I don't care how great Carey Price is. No, it's not his fault. He has No, but I'm, I'm not saying it's his fault. I'm saying the Canadians doing that is stupid, and we knew it was stupid at the time, and you know he signed for like six more years. He's still elite, though. I mean, what were they supposed to do? Trade he's Carey not, Price? He's not elite. He's like I was looking it up yesterday. Yes, he's like forty sixth in goals saved above average the last two years combined. Well, I blame Claude. I always have. Absolutely, it's definitely Claude's fault. <laughs> uh, Vasilevsky and Bobrovsky in yeah. the state of Florida. Those two monster contracts for the next right. eight, ten, eight years for the. The next eight years, those guys are going Listen, to be the goaltenders of the Florida team. Totally different stories. It is amazing. I can I can kind of justify the Vasilevsky thing. The Bobrovsky thing blows my mind, and it really has the chance to destroy a franchise because if and when he flops and that team continues to go nowhere and draw 2,000 people a game who got freebies at the mall, um, they're in trouble. But your official take is that the Bruins should root for their goalie prospects to not be elite because you do not want to get locked into signing a guy oh. like Vasilevsky for a 10-year <laughs> contract. Elite goaltenders are going to play 50-55 games. And, and the, you like don't I said, want elite the goaltenders. The pay scale goes down. Root against elite goaltenders. Root for the New well, York Islanders duo do you really think there's going to be a, Grice. Do you really think there's going to be a 65-70 game goalie down, coming down the pipe? Someone that's going to... Yes, and Vasilevsky. That's going to be able to star in the... How did he do in the playoffs last year? Not his fault. Right. Keenan Thompson said it. He set the record for fewest playoff wins. <laughs> he said the that, Tampa. That, ten, that tends to be the, the greatest line. That might be the greatest line I've ever joke. heard. Especially since the cameras show the three of them yeah, staring well, off classic. as if they were being kidnapped. <laughs> uh, beautiful. All right. All right. First in the history of the Skate Podcast, Calvin, we are going to go to the phone lines. Because, we, are, we are the uh, podcast of the people. Yeah, right. We, we first, get, we had you know freedom of speech with Wiggy because they all won't let them talk, and now we're making sure people – can you know chirp in and chime talk about some hockey here because uh, we know how rare that is in these parts. Correct. Now you are on uh, the Skate Pod Twitter more than I am. Absolutely. Uh, you tweet ferociously. People come back at you, chirp back. When, once Rob Bradford offered me a free meal I'm for a thousand followers, we're not exactly. there yet. What are we at? Seven hundred. Well, we're at seven hundred, but we have a big uh, lead. People who work here full time don't bother tweeting or promoting their podcasts. I uh, have this as a small part of multiple things I do, and I still manage to promote it. All right. Well, Paul is on the line. How did you? Uh, what were you and Paul beefing about? Uh, we weren't really beefing. I was just I just threw it out there that anyone wants to come on and uh, you know weigh in. We need more voices. We need uh, different, uh, a little diversity in our voices. No one wants to hear me babble for a half hour every week. So we figured we'd let some people who are devoted listeners and fans, people who are reasonable and people who don't curse at me, tell me I have a big head, no, whatever. Please curse at Calvin Paul. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> Welcome to the Skate Podcast. Who, uh, who are you? Introduce yourself. Where are you from? I'm Paul Faria. I'm from uh, West Warwick, Rhode Island. Beautiful. Bruins fan, I imagine? I've been a Bruins fan my entire life. Uh, I've actually, of all the local teams, um, the Bruins have always been number one. I used to tell friends all the time I'd trade in every World Series and Super Bowl just to see the cup lifted. Nice. That's what I like to hear. Did you go to many games this year? Uh, just a couple games this year. 
Um, we usually try and get up onto the ninth floor up there. We really like to look at. You can see the whole play develop while you're up there, and it's nice that you get. What do they charge um, for those? What are the what's the face value of those tickets? Uh, they were seventy bucks. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah, it's like you get yeah you get a folding chair up against um, a railing. Oh, that's the media section. We're full, fully aware. Comments yeah. and stuff oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah. Well, which is nice too, is because there's no line at the concession. The bathroom it doesn't have a line. Beautiful. And uh, you never know who you're going to bump into up there. Well, how are you feeling? I mean, after the cup loss in Game Seven, um, just the, as the off season has developed, what's uh, what's your outlook on the Bruins here? Well, I was I had to take some time to myself. Um, you know, <laughs> my wife is she she knows that I get she just give me my space because I can get pretty dark. Um, and anybody of my friends who follows me on Facebook uh, will see that I am like the most negative poster. Um, I I live Facebook the games and I am just like. Hopefully my negativity usually works, and they'll always come back. But um, this time, it just they felt like they gripped their sticks a little too tight in Game 7, right from the get-go. I, I would have had a better feeling about that Game 7 if it was on the road than at home. Just the history of this team. Yeah, I agree, and you know what? I think that, that goes back to some things I'm you know I'm still concerned about, about Bruce Cassidy and, the, and his way he gets teams prepared sometimes. And maybe he, uh, he's such an emotional guy, I think sometimes even with older veteran players like he has and the core that he leans on. I think sometimes that rubs off on them, and we've seen them uh, come out tight in some big games and, and then win some big games. So, you know, there's still a learning curve there, I think, and uh, there's definitely oh, yeah. uh, some aspect of that. And this team's got a great core. Sure. But that core going forward, I was just kind of – no, and I just coming out, I was trying to, like, go through make some notes so I wouldn't be completely unprepared. But, you know, <laughs> the core that I look at, like the first-tier core, is like Bergie, Marsh. Creech, Rask, and Chara. Yeah. Those guys are all like, you know, I'm in my late 30s. I don't know how those guys do it and still can like plug it. You're at, you're taking years off your life the deeper you go into the playoffs every year. Sure. So a 34 year old hockey player is probably more like 38. Right. At this point, especially exactly. the way Bergey plays. So I, you know, the the window is really closed and tight on these guys. They probably have maybe one, two more years. Yeah. So before. what's your biggest concern right now? You think? My biggest concern is we don't have anybody playing right wing. Yep. You know, Pasta's great. I love, but what is he? Is he the guy who's going to get us to the playoffs? But once we get there, we need secondary scoring. He hasn't been able to be consistent enough. So we need somebody else to step up. And DeBrusque, he shows signs of it, but there was times in the playoffs. I know he got knocked pretty hard, and he might have been playing concussed the rest of the, the playoffs. Because he was kind of a, a ghost of himself, and he, then you know you got cement shoes, David Bass. <laughs> so you know I, I love the guy, but you know the game, the Bruins have evolved, and that's why they made it that far. Is they they went young and they went fast, and that was the first time. Because that's kind of how we were, tw- uh, you know, going back and forth on Twitter when um, you guys originally put out that um, um, Wiggy said trade, Ber- you know, Bergeron, yeah, right. <laughs> so going back and forth, we were just throwing ideas back from like the 80s and the late 90s and early 2000s. The Bruins always tried to copy what was working in the league, and Sinden was always trying to do it hamstrung, right? With it because there was no cap at the time. You know, the, the Jeff Odgers trying to get tough. Yeah, like we got Jeff Odgers. The guy was a, <laughs> you know, and then we tried the Russian experiments. Sure, how many? You know, we got. You know, what are you going to get? You're going to get a Rosie Vlad. Um, Rajichka. Right. Then we got Samsonov, which was great. The uh, only 
two-time rookie of the year in the IHL and then right in the NHL. But well, that it's was it. Oh, sorry to cut you off, no, Paul, but no, it is no, it no, is no, okay. it is interesting that the Blues are thought of as a heavy team, and teams like Calgary trading for Lucic, mm. you know, as overreaction for getting pushed around uh, in the Colorado series, whatever. There is still a narrative out there that you need some some physicality. I don't know if the Bruins are lacking that. I don't think that's going to be like a big offseason push for them to get right. tougher, but they are keeping backs around for for now anyway. Well, well, yeah, but there's always balance there. Like that's sure. uh, you don't want to overreact. Um, the Bru- this series reminded me we were the Vancouver Canucks of 2011, and yep. the Blues were the Bruins. Right. You know they we were the more talented team. We thought we had already won it before we even got there. And we got, you know, we blew them out in certain games. It just right. there was no consistency there. Yeah. And when it came, push came to shove. You know, they showed up in Game Seven, and we didn't. We were watching some highlights, my son and I, and we watched. There were some highlights of Game Three, and we're like, "How did the Bruins win a Game Seven to Two and then still lose the series?" Yep. It was exactly like what happened. <laughs> like you have Marshawn in Game Seven, seven seconds left in the first period, decides, oh, "I'm just going to go for a line change with seven seconds to go." Right. Uh, like, you know, maybe two could have came up with that save, but still, right. I didn't put that completely yeah. on him. The Blues, the Blues did a good job, I think, of not only playing great hockey, but playing physical nature, but also kind of getting in the Bruins' heads. I think um, just the way they played, there might have been some trash talk involved as well, and just they just had some magic uh, that the Bruins couldn't overcome and get out of their oh. own way. Oh, they did, and. And when you're talking physicality, you don't have to be a big guy. I know Krug's listed at five nine. Right. Guys like was that counting his skates? Right. It's all about physics. Yeah. You got he showed when he took the guys, he knocked that guy and made a yard sale on the ice. So you can hit. Don Sweeney wasn't a big guy and he used to crush people. So it's just about, you know, using your weight properly in the game and playing with a little more physicality. There's a lot of big guys in this league that are like six six, and they play like they're five nine. Right, like, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite thing about the organization right now? What's what's like uh, uh, the Bruins fan? My, my favorite thing about this organization right now is this team actually looks like they like to play with each other, mm-hmm. and I love that Charlie Jacob seems to have more of a role than his dad, and that Charlie seems to want this team to win. But I was hearing your last podcast about the salary cap. Yeah. The Jacobs won. Right. That, like, the first, they had a salary cap years ago. It was called Ray Bork. Right. Mm -hmm. Nobody made more money than Ray, and no one honestly couldn't demand more money than Ray. And how many guys left because of it? Absolutely. So, you know, now they, it's, we were in cap hell because uh, Shirelli fell in love with everybody and just decided just give money foolishly to, to guys that helped win the cup. But now Don Sweeney's learned from those mistakes and you just, you can't fall in love with certain players. You just got to pick and choose. And I think he's doing the right job, but you know, you're not going to hit on everyone. Yeah. But, Our- so that's as a fan, that's where I'd like, I'd like, and I also like the fact that Cassidy is the complete opposite of Julian. Mm-hmm. He, he lets the young kids play, even through mistakes. And you, if Julian was still on the team, I don't think you'd ever see a guy like Pasternak flourish or DeBrusque. Hell, I don't even, maybe Heinen would be playing, but he'd be like a fourth <laughs> line every day because the guy plays the full length of the ice. And that's what, you know, Claude always loved. But you know, you're not going to win games with 
four lines of you know, Heinen's. <laughs> That's right. All-time favorite Bruins. My all-time favorite Bruin, it used to be Ray. And then he broke my heart when he decided that he had to win a cup. Oh, really? Wow. So you didn't, yeah. you didn't celebrate that parade? No, I didn't go to the parade, and I thought anybody who went to the parade was an idiot. I'm like, oh. the guy left you. What, what if you hosted? Left. What if you were the MC of that parade? Oh, was that Dale? <laughs> I'm just, oh, well, do you want to talk about the curse of Dale Arnold? They haven't won a cup since he's came back, but that's a different one. <laughs> but, but I'm just saying, I yeah. loved Ray, but then sure. Ray, he left. Like, you had Adam Oates talk out against the, the ownership, right. saying he wanted more players on the team. And what happened? They traded him away. Right. Ray could have stood up and said, you know, Adam's right. Yep. We need more than just one line of Hall of Famers. We need, you know, maybe a second and third line to help us get us through the playoffs. But, no, and then we got Chris Bork after that, too. <laughs> where we could, have, we could have gotten a bag of, you know, traded him for a bag of pucks. But we traded a, what, a draft pick for him or some other minor leaguer for him. But yeah. that's just my Ray Bork rant. Right. Ray, Ray broke my heart, and he made me – realize that professional athletes it's their job and i I can't hurt them you know for that that's they're going for the cup and that's what they want but i look at other guys like bergie bergie is my all-time favorite the guy plays the game the right way it was him and uh and thomas those were the two that's why wiggy is dead to you (laughs) oh no i my i had no problem with wiggy's argument my only problem with wiggy's trade Bergeron is you won't get anything for him. Right. Nothing that would help the Bruins going forward. Bergie is great, but if you're going to trade him, you trade him at 30. You sure. don't trade him at 34. Right, and that just doesn't happen in this league usually unless a guy forces his way out. Right. Like, what are you going to get for a Bergeron trade? You know, you might get a first-round pick, but the first-round picks, uh, the Patriots trade first-round picks left and right. Because... <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and if, it's just like if you look at the Penguins. I mean, like the team that we kept bringing up, the Malkin thing. Yeah, if they, they should have traded. They should have probably traded Malkin a couple of years ago too. Maybe. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, it's it's about keeping your core, identifying your core players, and keeping those, and selling high on guys that you might not, you know, they might burn you later on, but they might not. There's a chance, just like in baseball. I know right. the A's used to like love. Um, selling high on um, right. closers, mm-hmm. and then just put another starter in the closer position. Right, exactly. But good call, Paul. But, this, is a, this is a good start to the uh, skate. Yes, yeah, good, good leadoff call. Excellent Bruins insight. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. And anytime you guys want to talk again, let me know. I'll, I'll, I'll definitely jump on. Yeah, we'll um, do that. And you gotta, you gotta uh, have Halsey come on too. Okay. He's, uh, he and I will uh, text back and forth the entire game. So. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Well, thank you it. very much, guys, for Thanks having for me. All right. Thanks a lot. It. You have a good day. Yep. Bye. Well, there you go. First in the history of the uh, skate podcast. I did think he was pretty good. He knows yeah. His stuff. Oh, yeah. You think I could? You think I don't know how to vet? Done you think I don't know how to vet these things? I well vetted. Hey, Bob. How are you? I'm good, Matt. How you doing? Great. Thanks. Thanks for doing this. Appreciate you calling yeah, in. Yeah, I appreciate it. You guys do a good job. Thank Thanks. You, buddy. I was just telling Ken about your your dad, Coach Bobby Orr. Yeah, he was a he. Uh, he grew up near Perry Sound. He was a few years older than Bobby, but he played for the Generals and had a bad knee injury or whatever and wound up being a, a coach for him. So when Bobby's first couple of years there, he was there, and then he got into you know, working for a living. Went to, went to work for Gulf Oil and all that. This was 20 years or so before I was even born. But, <laughs> 
So I, my dad worked for Gulf Oil and got moved transferred down to Florida when they were doing offshore drilling, and then uh, I was born. So I grew up a hockey fan from from a Bruins fan ever since I can remember because wow. of Bobby. And uh, but you never um, you never lived so, in Boston or anything. Never lived in Boston. Wow. But uh, we had. We had 1985. We built a house just north of Tampa, and we had one of those big old satellite dishes. And as soon as the house was uh, was closed in, we were on the, you know, sitting on the plywood watching watching Nesson and TV 38. And um, so I was uh, six or seven, eight years old, and that's when I started. And I just fell in love with it. I mean, it, it wasn't very accessible other than in the street, and I was the one kid that played hockey and knew how to skate in Tampa. Huh. Uh, but the nearest rink was 70 miles from our house. Yeah. I just loved it. I mean, I, I played all the other sports. I played football and, you know, baseball and, and those were fine. But, uh, hockey was, I just fell in love with it and, uh, went to my first NHL game, um, in Maple Leaf Gardens. It was Gretzky's first game, uh, as a king and it was 88 or 89. Yep. And that third row gold. So my uncle was, was a scout for the Leafs for a while. Um, and so I just, it was just, and season tickets of lightning their first couple of years in the old expo hall down in the fairgrounds. That place was a dump, but it was it was great just having hockey and but I by then I was a Bruins fan through and through. Went to a couple of games this year in the playoffs and went up for the parade in twenty eleven, went up for games three and four in twenty eleven hmm. and um lived in Atlanta for a while, so we saw when they played the Thrashers and then when the Thrashers left, uh, my son and I would go up and see them play Nashville. Uh, but now we moved back down here to Florida where I'm from, where my wife is from. So we struggle for, for Bruins action because <laughs> I've, I've always wanted to live up there and be close to it, but just, just never never was able to make that move. So. Well, at least you're there for the big uh, Bruins-Tampa rivalry, right? What's it like being a Bees fan down in, uh, in Lightning country? Well, you know, I, I grew up liking the Lightning because, you know, we had season tickets and it was great. I mean, I I was on the – I was 11 or 12 and I played on the Tampa Bay Junior Lightning team. And I've got pictures skating with Espo, both Espositos. And, you know, by then I was, I knew Phil Esposito from, from the Bruins. And, um, you know, so I grew up a Lightning fan because they weren't in our division. They were in the Norse division. They played in the, you know, the other conference forever. I actually liked the Leafs, too, for the same reason. They never really, but now they're rivals. And it's, uh, well, it was fun this year. I mean, it wasn't fun so much last year. Yeah, what, but, was, the, uh, I mean, what was the reaction down there when they get swept? Oh, it's pretty bad. I mean, it was uh, my son plays in, uh, on, on youth, youth hockey down here, and the Lightning sponsors their their team, so they wear Lightning jerseys, and there's Lightning everywhere at the rink in Jacksonville. And uh, it was, I mean, like, all the kids, of course, you know, he plays in the Stamkos Stamkos division, and there's the Kucherov division, yada yada yada, and, and uh, it was it was pretty. I mean, there's a lot of fans, and they were they were not real happy. I mean, yeah. of course, I loved it. I thought it was great. <laughs> Um, you know, but like I said, not so much last year, but like, I didn't grow up hating the lightning. Yeah. I grew up hating the penguins because of what they did to Neely. who was, I grew, it was my Neely and Reggie Lemon were my two favorite players as a kid. And I grew up hating the penguins and of course, Montreal. Um, but I never grew up hating the Leafs or the lightning. Cause like I said, they didn't play very much. Right. Um, so, so it's just a little bit different. And, and, uh, you know, I enjoyed when lightning won, you know, cause it's just, just to have hockey, you know, be a, be a big deal down here. I mean, it's, yeah. it's so much bigger than it was when I was growing up. I Absolutely. Mean, it, there is a gorgeous rink in at Wesley Chapel, just north of Tampa now. It's about five miles from where I grew up. Where if it had been there when I was a kid, I would have never played another sport. I mean, it's just, it's just, <laughs> right. it's beautiful. Yep. Four rinks and 
beautiful pro shop. I mean, it's it just exploded down here. Not so much in Miami, but in the Tampa area, it's it's absolutely exploded. So it's great to see. It's such a good game. Yeah. So, so, so Bob, what what concerns you about the Bruins right now? What do you want to talk about? Well, I I got I got the backest thing figured out. Of course, okay. Miami, right? You know, GM, the first GM one. Thing. Beautiful. You know, yeah, no kidding. And then there's always, of, of course, there's extenuating circumstances that I'm sure we don't know about, which is why they haven't been able to, to dump it. But I think you go to them and you say, listen, you, there's three there's three things here. The fourth option of you playing for us next year, it's just not going to happen. We can't have a $6 million, you know, 14th forward on our roster. Right. It's just It doesn't make any sense for a team trying to win the Cup. So you, you say, hey, we're going to work out a trade to somebody in the league to get you off the books and to let you leave – with some dignity, either two, you're going to be stashed in Providence. We'll get a million dollars in savings or three. I don't know what your, what your head situation or the injury situation is, but I don't even know really exactly how the L, the long-term injury reserve works, but that might be, I don't know if even that's an option or not. I know he's been banged up and I know he's, he had something going on this summer. Of course, nobody really knows what the hell's going on. <laughs> right. Um, but at least that may leave, let him leave with some dignity, give him a job in the organization. We win a cup. He still gets his, you know, that, but there's, there's no way he can play. I don't see any way with, with, with the glaring holes that they still have on the roster, how they can justify having a guy making $6 million still on the team. I just, we're just never, I just, yeah. I just, I just cannot see it. Yeah. I mean, they so have, that's to... what I, I would go to him and say, listen, David, you make the decision. What do you want to do? I will, yeah. I will admit that. A few days ago, just daydreaming, I, I pictured because I remember I was remembering when Coyle came over, when they got Charlie Coyle, and David Backus said to me, uh, and I wrote about this. He said, "I think they got Charlie Coyle to be my center. This is this is my chance." <laughs> and he had a couple of good games, like right after that. And then you know we know what happened after that. And I just keep imagining, like I was just thinking, what if a summer of rest and working out. And he comes rebirth, back refreshed in camp, rebirth. and they put him a coil. What if this actually didn't work out? And of course, then I, I woke up. <laughs> well, they, they, I, I, that would be great. It would solve a lot of problems. But they've they've given the guy. I mean, and I'm sure he's a wonderful guy. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I mean, they could dump him, and they could get you know they could go and get a guy like Chris Carter, even if it's for a year. Because guys, we don't have much left of this window. I mean, well, that's just uh, it. Exactly. We, were, we we were gifted this past season. If they don't make a couple of improvements, so they don't, it doesn't have to be drastic. But they're not going to beat, right. you know, the Lightning or even maybe even the Leafs next year. That's no guarantee, right? And then and then and then you you know we've somehow figured out a way to not tank and and bring your team back from you know 2011, and then we didn't have to go to the doldrums to to, sure. to come and be successful again. But that's not a given either. Um, and so I just, they've got to do something. And I, I would go to him and I'd say, listen, Dave, you make the decision. But yeah. So it's basically a threat. Work. I mean, your, your, your plan, Bob, is to basically say the worst options await you unless you take, you fake an injury and we settle with you somehow. Well, what I mean is I just cannot see the option of keeping him on the team yeah. as a right. 14th forward right. Understood. for making $6 million. Yeah. And if he retires, that, that would actually give them the most cap relief. So that maybe you, you have to yeah. <laughs> convince hey, him. Hey, if you, you don't, you're playing in Providence. Job, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Give you a job in player development or, or something where you still get your name on the cup. Cause at the end of the day, it's still his best chance to get his name on the cup. Right. Whoever's going to take him is not going to win, you know, 10, 10, 12 games a year, whatever it is. They're not going to be successful. Well, what do you? I mean, you're you're between a rock and a hard place if you're swinging. I mean, it was a horrible contract. It's the, one of the first, the, the few things Hags ever got right. 
But he <laughs> called it when they signed him. Yep. It was a terrible deal. Everybody knew it was a terrible deal. Yeah. And it's, it is, and it's holding them back from, I mean, you, 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 if you dump him and you move more or Miller and you, you're freed up, you know, eight, nine, ten million dollars. Now you can, you can improve yourself for this season, but going into it, I just, I mean, as much as the run was great, I just don't see it. And I've, I've watched the Bruins enough. I've already predicted on Twitter they're going to struggle this season. They're going to squeak in, and we'll see if they can win around. I mean, I just I can see that coming just because of you know the long playoffs and the and the sure. hangover and all those things. I mean, I I love the Bruins more than anything, but they've broken my heart more than they've <laughs> they've they've you know made it made it the uh, you know made my day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, a lot of cup final losses. Yeah, I mean, shoot, I'm, I go back to, to, I mean, 88. They never had a shot in 88. Right. Um, it was it was just beating Montreal that year was the was basically the Stanley Cup. And then in 90, I, my, my, I still remember the Peter Klima goal. I, wake, I woke up or I stayed up till 2, 3 o'clock in the morning to watch that guy score that goal, whatever time it was. <laughs> and I thought they had a shot in that series. You know, if Wesley had a scored, and, they, of course, they hadn't had that Klima goal. And then that was, I think that wasn't that the series the lights went out? Or was that 88? Uh, that was one 90. Those, yeah, that was definitely 90. 90. Yep. Yeah. One of those two series, the lights went out. Yep. And they had to play. Right. <laughs> But uh, you know they've broken your heart more than they've. Right. They've... But but you know as as a Mets fan, I will tell you that you know all the heartbreak. It's sooner or later it will pay off, I suppose. And hey, I'm a Mets <laughs> fan too, by the way. Oh, there you go. That's so why we had John. My... Oh, this explains it. <laughs> yeah, I grew up in I grew up in Tampa, and my brother played with Dwight Gooden in high school. Oh, cool. Hillsbury Hillsborough High School. Uh, no, no, he didn't go to Hillsborough. Okay. But they played on they played on all star teams together. Oh, okay. They call, awesome. They call it Legion Ball down yep, there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I, in '83, I think we was drafted. I was six years old, so I grew up. I grew up a huge Mets fan. Cool. Still am. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't really boast about that too often, <laughs> but, but I, I do follow them. And uh, you know, when, when I lived in Atlanta, we'd go down and watch them play the Braves and lose to the Braves. And but uh, I am a Mets fan, but much, much bigger Bruins fan, much bigger. Well, good call, Bob. We've had two so, good callers today. You and uh, Paul, who preceded you, were the first two callers to our podcast. And yeah, this uh, is great. It's good insight. Good stuff from fans who have been there from the beginning you know their whole lives that's yep. awesome very well spoken everything awesome yeah well yeah you guys do a good job and we were starved for thankfully the internet exists now because yeah. back when i was growing up i was lucky to get a see a blurb in the tampa tribune of the St. Pete times about anything right hockey. but uh yeah it, i grew up watching dave shea and cusick and sanderson and nice and uh so it's it's good stuff i, yeah, I appreciate it i listen to I listen to the, your competition, and I listen to you guys as much as I can. Um, but uh, my son and I love it. We had we had plane tickets booked the next morning to go to Boston for the parade. Oh wow! In a couple of days, and thankfully they were refundable. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but, uh, that was and that was that was the worst part about all of it. My, my son is twelve, and he oh, wasn't old uh, enough and eleven to really enjoy it. Sure. And he was just devastated. I mean, he, <laughs> yeah. And I've seen him win once in my lifetime, so I'm good. You know, obviously we want to win him. You know, I want to end it win every year, but I'm good. I've seen right. him once. I went to the parade, and it was it was just incredible. So I'm good. But for seeing him, yeah, you know, he was crying, and oh man, that was that was tough to take. That's but right. That's every time he screws up. Every time he screws up on the ice, I say, hey, guys, hey, say, buddy, look, Marshawn did it. I mean, <laughs> that's right. Every, everybody's gonna. He missed a wide open net and then screwed up a line change yeah. in game seven. Doesn't get any worse than that. <laughs> You're right about that's right. That. Awesome. All right, Bob. Thank you for calling in. Great, great conversation. All right, guys. Keep All right, up thank the you. Work. Have a good day, right, Bob. See you.
So these are two great callers. Two and I just wanted to callers. give a shout out to you know Paul Farrier and Ryland, and you can follow him at Slacker fifty six S L A C K E R fifty five or fifty six fifty five actually Slacker uh, fifty five. Yep, and then Bob Smith. This is a tough one to remember at Bob Smith, and I cannot see this number four six two eight zero five six six I believe. Jesus. But we'll give them a shout out on the Twitter too, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully some fans will start connecting with them, and everyone will start, you know, sharing their stories, and maybe one of them weigh in on the on the skate podcast. Love it, love the tradition. All right, Maddie, good spirited debate at the beginning. I liked our callers, so uh, I think we had a solid podcast yeah. last week. Good to July. see you have some energy. I mean, I'm sure you're wor- you're worn out after four hours of the Hill show. Did, did they let you talk mm. at all on that show? Or I'm picking my spots? Right? All right, because I don't get to hear you guys as much. You and Curtis, it's like I thought maybe they muzzled muzzled you guys like in the Handmaid's Tale. They put uh, well when Mutt was put on, a nail on your stars lips. the show. Now it's changed. It's seismic change, as Reamer put it. That's been accurate. So uh, we're happy with the future. Looking forward to the future. You are going to do what? Well, we didn't even talk about John Beecher. Was that a big week? Yeah. Well, you know, we'll talk about that later in the week. I yeah. think I'll have a special extra Ooh. podcast, oh, and maybe excellent. we'll talk Bonus. to somebody. Maybe we'll get somebody who saw firsthand what uh, Beecher sense. was doing. So we'll talk about that then. Beautiful. And uh, don't listen to the off day podcast. Avoid that at all costs. Well, listen. Against, uh, I I would promote the off day podcast. I would promote the Bradford show. I would report. Or I would. Re- I would promote the Lone Rhymer, which is like <laughs> who came up with that name? Bradford. Someone. Someone in an acidic. Fit came up with that. These people are promoting their own product. Yeah, you know, true. Andy Hart Andy doesn't Hart even doesn't he follow. doesn't even follow the Off Day Podcast Twitter. What is wrong with these people? This is not the team spirit that I was sold on for EEI. Nope, they don't have the buy-in so, that you and I do. You know, when when we when we come in here to spin country records someday, it'll be their fault. That's Matt Calvin. I'm Ken Laird. Talk to you next week on the Skate Pod.